0: If you make a mistake with a client your recovery can influence whether they come back to you and maybe even become more loyal because of how you recover and those are all things that you learn in the business and the corporate world that the law doesn't you know that's not a class doesn't in law school mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not yeah. something that you talk about hey everybody welcome back to another episode of the north carolina real estate show i'm tiffany weber i'm a real estate attorney at thomas and weber in mooresville and now huntersville north carolina and i am joined today by another of our attorneys erica henson welcome thanks tiff so you've been on the show plenty of times at this point i think you can do the intro from now okay <laughs> sure. You, you'll be the host. Uh, but i'm so excited about the topic that we're going to talk about because It is something that I think is unique to the two of us that we share in common. Backstory, Erica and I went to law school together in a program um, that was kind of geared towards people that worked, um, already worked full time. So we went to law school at night and we each had jobs in um, big corporations. So what are we talking about today? So we're talking about what kind of lessons that we learn
1: in the corporate world that now can translate or correlate to what we do as real estate attorneys. Mm -hmm.
0: You spent more time in the corporate world than I did but I mean, even in the, you know, f- gosh, was it five years, six years, six years in corporate America, like there's just so much. And the one that I wanted to start with is when you work in a corporation, there's all kinds of different teams that have their different functions, but you're working towards a common goal. And that that's um course, to make money for the company. But there are often much smaller projects that you have to work with a lot of different functions to accomplish. So I think of that like a real estate transaction. Um, You have to work with a lot of different functions to get to the closing table. So whereas at Electrolux, I may have been working with sales and legal and the product team and the inventory team to make sure that our builder clients got everything they needed at, in a closing, I'm working with the agent, the lender, the surveyor, you know, the county recording office. Sure, everybody to get the closing. A lot of done. different functions. Mm-hmm. And that can be something that if you've never done it before, if you're used to being a lone wolf, you don't like having to rely on or work with other people to get the job done. Um, so if you know how to do that, then it makes the process much more simple. Or mm-hmm. Easier to navigate, I should sure. say. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Did you have that experience too of like oh, finding absolutely. that? absolutely.
1: Because, you know, some, some people might say that diversity is taboo or, or what have you, but it really is when you work in a large corporation, your teams are very diverse. You mm-hmm. have a mix of people, you have a mix of functions, you have a mix of ages, you have a mix of, of different skill sets, and you have to learn how to put all of that
0: together just mm-hmm. like we do in real estate. I'm so glad to have learned that lesson not in the law because law is stressful enough <laughs> enough, and then you add on basically all of these other moving parts to it it's like you could very easily get like taken away yep. in the current can be very daunting yeah. Yeah. What's something that you learned that you apply now? Yeah, so another um,
1: topic here, uh, well, and I'll date myself a little bit. I spent way more than five years in, <laughs> in the corporate world. I spent more like 16. Um, but one thing that she I started when she was nine. <laughs> is about motivating teams and motivating people. And that really um, translates also into real estate because we do have a team, as Tiffany just mentioned, of different skill sets and different functions um, within the real estate firm. Um, and motivating people is something that you learn, and it's a skill set that you can hone over time. But really, what I learned is you want people to. Do what you're asking them to do, right? You mm-hmm. want to make you want them to be motivated to do what you're asking, yeah. not that you're forcing them to or you're throwing the iron fist down. Yeah. You want but, them to want it exactly. Um, and so I learned how to motivate people there, and that can also extend to clients mm-hmm. um, in real estate. You want to motivate them to to go a certain way that would be beneficial to them in a in a legal mm-hmm. perspective. They don't always do that, but yeah.
0: use your persuasion skills a little bit there. Yeah. That's um, the persuasion skills, you know. They, they apply definitely to real estate, but they also apply in the courtroom. You know, if you're trying to, if you don't think that there's not sales or persuasion involved in litigation, you're out of your mind. You know, the case law might say something a certain way, but you have to convince a jury of twelve or a judge that it what it says in the case applies to your set of factors. So, I, you know if you do not think that there's translation from corporate to legal, regardless of the practice area, you're crazy. But especially real estate with trying to get your team motivated, your clients, you know, your lenders. Your lender, yes. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Even, even the tax office sometimes are mapping. You might have to
1: convince them of something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, just um, probably about six or eight weeks ago, the one of the planners at uh, the city of Statesville, I had to go on this like long drawn out thing to show how our particular lot um, had been in existence under its current boundaries since the 40s, so that it wouldn't have to meet certain new requirements of zoning. And it was just like, okay, here we go. Had to use those persuasion skills.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. So Uh, one other thing um, that we talked about earlier from corporate is that translates is really being in a leadership role. Mm-hmm. So in a in a firm, especially in a small firm, the attorney is often thrusted into a leadership role, you know, right away. People, the team is looking to the attorney to make decisions mm-hmm. and the client is looking to the attorney to make the best decision for them. And so really getting those skills in a corporate environment of how to be a leader, how to be a decision maker, mm-hmm. how to recover when you make a mistake, how to mm-hmm. recover when your team makes a mistake.
0: Those are really good skills to have in in the real estate uh, realm. Yes, that is such a good point because try as we may to do everything 100% perfectly all the time. It's not possible. So there will be mistakes and knowing how to correct them and then course correct so that we don't make the same mistake again. Um, train all, based off of mistakes that are made. And then, you know, that whole recovery paradox of, um, if you make a mistake with a client your recovery can influence whether they come back to you and maybe even become more loyal because of how you recover um, and those are all things that you learn in the business and the corporate world that the law doesn't you know that's not a class doesn't in law school mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not yeah. something that you talk about there is one thing that i was thinking that kind of goes back to like the working with the different teams but kind of like project managing your cases or your your workload or your files Um, Some of this calls back to my litigation time, but you essentially have like the phases of a case and and all of the different things that have to happen so that you can get to trial. And an attorney is almost like a project manager of sorts in making sure that every role on the team is accomplishing what their portion of the project is. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, paralegal, maybe drafting discovery to send out or whatever it may be, take that to real estate. In our team, our paralegals are drafting closing statements, they're gathering invoices, they're doing whatever, you know, our abstractors are preparing the abstract and the title opinions, we're reviewing that. The attorneys are doing the closings and overseeing the signatures. Post closers are getting files dispersed and documents where they need to go. But as attorneys, we are overseeing that every role is doing their part the whole uh, thing. So that the project can get completed. And um, that's another thing that if you have never been in a role like that or seen it happen before, you're like, how do I get like there's all this stuff that has mm-hmm. to happen. How do we get it done? Yeah. And there's no a lot of times there's nobody to teach
1: you. I mean, I think I even started one day with like project management for dummies books because I didn't know where to begin with all of it, you know, and you have yeah. to learn it have to learn yeah. the ropes i guess um so to yeah. speak but yes that definitely translates because you're juggling so many different
0: balls in the air at one time in mm-hmm. real estate or if you're like a a, a tech the, i'm not a tech junkie but i do like different tech tools so it, mine wasn't project management for dummies but it was like okay <laughs> do i need a sauna do i need to do i need trello what's the tool that's going to help me manage these projects the best so I and I would read all those blogs of like, how do I get better? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Another topic um, that translates for me is that change Is required. Not only is change inevitable, but it's required to keep yourself relevant. Mm -hmm. And in the corporate world, you know, there are these big corporate giants and they have teams dedicated to this. So they make sure that things are changing and moving and that they are evolving to the latest needs of the market, Mm -hmm. technology included. Um, And in real estate, we really have to work at that. We have Mm -hmm. to think about are our processes changing to what the clients need, to what technology tells us we need, to what mm-hmm. the market needs? Um, you know, as how we conduct the closing. Are we getting more virtual, like during COVID? Are we meeting people in the parking lot?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and so, are I we think- speaking their language? <laughs> I mean, yes. I'm sure you've sat in closings for your own stuff where you're like, what? What, what are, does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just keeping ourselves relevant
1: to different things and making sure that we are evolving over time, mm-hmm. um, it's required,
0: right? Mm-hmm. I love how you said all of that. And what people can't see that's on the other side of us, we're each looking at these like big cameras with lights and stuff. And the reason I bring that up is because that is, especially in our market, not a common thing. Like we're, One of the ways that we're trying to embrace change is... How do people get their information and they're watching and they're listening? You know, it used to be that like it was a mind blowing that attorneys would write blogs and you could go on and like read kind of like a densely written article about some legal subject. But at least you were able to get to it without having to call and make an appointment with an attorney. If you're just trying to learn about a concept, you know, that was really the best we could hope for as a consumer of legal knowledge. And now we're trying to embrace the change of now people are on YouTube. They're watching on their, you know, they get everything through this little screen here. And how do we get to them and give them access to knowledge they wouldn't have otherwise? You know, I think back to Ben Thomas whenever we first got him on camera, he hated this at first. He was so good at it. He's not the only one. But you're good (laughs) at it too. And one of the reasons why he hated it is he said, all the attorneys in town are going to make fun of this. I mean, what are you doing? You know, or they're going to you know, like judge me for doing it, and maybe they do. But at this point, we don't care. the The point is to we're not out there serving the other attorneys in the community. We're serving our clients, and this is how they get information and access to determine who are they going to work with, who do I trust, who do I feel like I know. Um, so that I I think change is what has allowed us to meet our clients in this new way. One of the other um, topics
1: is accepting no, learning Mm -hmm. how to accept no um, in a corporate world because your ideas aren't always accepted by everybody. Your Mm -hmm. suggestions don't always make it to the implementation phase, right? So we're not always right. We're not (laughs) always right. I mean, in my mind, I am, but maybe not to everybody else. We won't tell
0: our husbands that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But learning how to take no for an answer and to keep to keep going and to mm-hmm. remain motivated no matter what, you know, and to mm-hmm. keep those ideas flowing. If you let no stifle you and your creativity and your thoughts, well, then you're just gonna remain stagnant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, as, as we talked about before, working with teams, sometimes your team says, no, I don't like that idea. No, we're not gonna move forward with that. Well, you have to stay motivated with your team. You mm-hmm. have to still work with them even though your idea is not accepted. Um, and so learning how to do that really translates into real estate or working with clients because some of the things you suggest they might not wanna go with. It might not be the solution for them. They may have plans to use the property in a different way. So mm-hmm. then you have to pivot. How, you know, come up with a different solution. How can I meet this client where mm-hmm. they are?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: how can I have empathy for what the client is is trying to accomplish mm-hmm. here? So that was really a valuable lesson for me um, mm-hmm.
0: to accept no and then to make a positive out of it. Yeah, I, that's, it's interesting how some people might hear accepting no or learning you know, what to do when no is the answer and think no shouldn't be the answer. I think about like my husband, he'd be like, the answer is never no or whatever. Tell me how to, the answer is yes. How do we get to yes? But it's what you're describing to me sounds more like when no becomes a speed bump. And how do you change course? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, just because you hear no, a no doesn't mean that the door is shut and now you just give up and walk away. That's not it. Um, no is the answer doesn't mean we're all done here. Uh, it means, okay, we have to find another solution. Um, doesn't mean we can't solve the problem. We still have to solve the problem. We just maybe can't solve it in this way. Mm-hmm. And the motivation can be very difficult whenever you might feel that you have – You've come upon this great answer, and you pitch it, and there everybody's like, Mm-mm, "Not gonna work, not gonna work." Yeah, you come back, give us something else. So it can be tough to stay motivated in in a situation like that. So you make a really good point that finding the motivation within that, but also getting creative um, when maybe you saw that. Well, this is the only thing we can do.
1: Well, and sometimes it comes down to to something you told me one time. We're gonna give the client. Uh, one answer, kind of a creative answer, and we're going to give them a practical answer, right? Mm -hmm. You might get no on one side, but we're going to be honest with the client. We're Mm going to be practical with them, and we Mm -hmm. owe that to them, right? Mm -hmm. They might have turned us down on our creative answer or what have you, just, just throwing things out there. But sometimes we have to give them a very honest answer. What you're trying to do is not okay Mm -hmm. what you're trying to do violates your restrictive covenant something like Mm -hmm. that you know and if they choose to do that it's their choice but it's our
0: job to make sure that they're informed yeah i think about like the the gamut of what are the all the possible outcomes here there's this one the worst case here's the best case you're likely going to fall somewhere in the middle Um, but you need to know both ends of the spectrum so that we can figure out where you're going to end up and sometimes that does involve you know, if a client tells you they want to do something that we know is not possible, we're the ones giving the no. Mm-hmm. saying You cannot do that as described. But what's your ultimate goal? What are you really trying to accomplish here? Because maybe we can figure out a way to get you to that goal that doesn't involve doing this thing that is illegal or impossible or whatever it may be. Yeah, there's one that I just thought of it. I wasn't on my list, but I think translates very well to law. And it's dealing with bureaucracy or red tape and in corporate america we have a lot of that and a lot of it is arbitrary you know made internally for you don't really know the reason maybe not a good productive reason and what is the law if not a whole bunch of red tape (laughs) though typically it is for a public policy reason it has some good reason behind it but knowing how to navigate that um and deal with it is really important to getting through, Mm -hmm. especially a real estate transaction, because you're dealing with, um, okay, we've got to deal with what does the title company want? What does the what does mapping want to see in this legal description so that they'll actually record the deed and update GIS, you know, like you're dealing with all sorts of different government Mm -hmm. agencies, too. So you're having to deal with, okay, well, what's, this county's process versus this yeah. one's and you know Rowan county says we have to have the special language on the deed for this county but this county doesn't want to see it on there so you know updating your process so that your client gets what they want yeah. but we comply with everybody else's needs and wants and rules too yeah.
1: where in the company that i came from we called it organizational awareness you had to know <laughs> who your key That's players 16 years of corporate yeah. america for you <laughs> it's coming out now but you had to know who the key stakeholders were who the key Mm -hmm. players were what they required just like what you're describing here with the different county requirements or different Mm -hmm. legislative bodies what their requirements are you have that in corporate America so you're absolutely right learning how to navigate that and to be patient with the process and what steps you need to take to to overcome those Mm -hmm. hurdles Um, is absolutely applicable to real estate. Yeah.
0: Do you have anything else on your list? I don't have anything else on my list. I mean, we probably could have plenty of things. We could have lots of things. But these
1: are some big overarching topics that just come to mind um, that kind of carry over
0: that stick with me every day um, now that I'm in real estate. Yeah. And sometimes when I hear you with clients or our staff or, you know, dealing with agents, I'm like, yep, I know that time at BASF did her good. I can hear it. (laughs) Your organizational awareness is is very high. Uh, Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about this topic. I suspect we're going to have you on real soon to talk about some more stuff. Thank you.